Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Oh, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, and joining me for this episode, a very special guest, Bobby Peters, who is the author of the Philadelphia Eagles 2017 Third Down Manual, also wrote the Los Angeles Rams Third Down Manual for 2017. And the reason that I have brought Mr. Peters on the podcast today is that we worked together on an article looking at all the different schemes and concepts that the Minnesota Vikings could use in big situations and what they could carry over with John D. Filippo as the new offensive coordinator, what they could carry over from Philadelphia to Minnesota. So, Bobby, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, sure thing. So, Bobby, you also are a high school football coach, an engineer, too, so you've got a, a, a lot of different skills, I guess, that you could bring to the podcast. So if we need to know how to build a bridge, we can also do a podcast on that, right? <laughs> I don't know if I can help you with a bridge, but if you have any sanitary sewer or water main issues, I can help you with that. <laughs> okay, maybe. I'll, I'll just keep – I'll save your number for that. But for okay. now, I think we'll dig into the other side of what you do, which is football. And – I. I want to start out, we looked in depth at every major skill player for the Vikings and what types of concepts might work for them in big spots. Third downs, I think, tell you a lot about a quarterback, specifically when you look at their third down numbers. That's where you can't run play action. You just have to, it's basically you versus the defense, and they know you're going to pass, you know you're going to pass. And these are some situations where Kirk Cousins has struggled at times through his career. So I, what I want to get into here is where John D. Filippo might be able to cover up some of Cousins' shortcomings or bolster him up uh, in terms of places where he struggled at times. And, and one of those areas, Bobby, is the red zone. So when I'm looking through uh, your book, which is amazing for, for people should get it, I'll tell you where at, at the end of the podcast and all that, but where you look at all the different concepts that were used on third down by the Philadelphia Eagles in 2017, they were one of the best red zone teams in the NFL, and that was where Carson Wentz really started to shine. So when you look at Kirk Cousins, I know it's not the exact same skill set, but if you're trying to take a quarterback and help him succeed on third downs in the red zone, big spots, where would you start with that in terms of your concepts? So uh, things change in the red zone. 
field gets shorter. Um, the reason, one of the reasons the Eagles had a lot of success with this is as the field gets shorter, size becomes more of a factor. Um, with guys like Zach Ertz, Alshon Jeffrey, and then to an extent Trey Burton, this size gave them a huge advantage in the red zone. Um, he's the, the DeFilippo definitely in the, uh, the Eagles coaching staff helped Wentz out a ton. Every week they'd have, um, you know, a specific play or two, kind of a, a wrinkle that would be designed against that specific defense to, to try to get a matchup. Um, specifically, there was a, a play I refer to in my book that Eagles called Bison. And this play was called Bison because it was the, the term that, that Parsons used when he was in college. And it was a simple three-man combination kind of out of a, of a, of a bunch look that Eagles were able to get. Uh, Zachers opened twice for touchdowns. And they, both times they called it on third down in the red zone, they converted for touchdowns. So little, little play design, try to free up the eyes down in the red zone and sneak back there when, when considering red zone success. So I look at the red zone for the Vikings as an area where they can use Kyle Rudolph the most. I mean, last year it seemed like any time they were down there, that was the main guy that they were looking for. Now, Kyle Rudolph isn't exactly Zach Ertz in terms of his speed and quickness, but he does have that size. And what I noticed a lot is the Eagles seem to love a little H-post from Zach Ertz, where he kind of runs out toward the outside shoulder of the defender and then crosses his face, and he's just too big to get around. Or he's just run a great route and he's wide open. That was one of their kind of unstoppable routes for him. Can Kyle Rudolph do some of the things that Zach Ertz was able to do, especially in the red zone? Absolutely. And that, that H post concept you're referring to is very similar to the Bison concept. The Bison concept is slightly tweaked for the red zone, um, slightly, but yeah, it's the same idea. It tries to get him matched up with inside leverage, um, by using the other routes to kind of draw defenders away. Um, but yeah, he, Kyle Rudolph poses that same threat. If you leave him in single coverage, now he can use that size and gain, you know, whether it be inside or outside leverage on his defender, and the quarterback always has a win to throw the ball into. Now, if the defense decides to double team him, you're in the red zone. You're on the, the three-yard line, the five-yard line. You only need a few yards. It makes the, running the ball in that case a lot easier when the defense has to allocate two defenders to a target like Kyle Rudolph. So using him, backside of trips formations too, nice way to isolate that, get Kirk Cup. Kind of a, a pre-snap idea as to whether it's going to double team him or not. That's another, another way to do it. Well, so one area where uh, the Vikings, I think, have a personnel advantage over last year's Philadelphia Eagles. There aren't many because it's the Super Bowl winning team and they were stacked. But in the backfield, Delvin Cook is such a dynamic talent that it almost takes two or three different running backs to match just all the things that he can do. How did the Eagles effectively use their running backs in the red zone? And I see that as a way to take some of the pressure off of Kirk Cousins there. Yeah, so the Eagles were definitely a running back by committee um, throughout the season. And that's, you know, the, uh, as the NFL as the NFL is going, that's kind of the, the way that a lot of successful teams do uh, do things now is, you know, they don't, they don't want to allocate huge cap hits at the running back position. But, um, but yeah, absolutely, using the running back, um, in the red zone, the Eagles specifically used a few different creative screens. Um, one specifically that comes to my mind is one against the Broncos that they called. Uh, I think they were right about the 18 or 20 yard line. They run a screen call to Corey Clement. He goes into the end zone untouched because of the design of the play. So those are things that Deep Flipple will bring to the Vikings, um, in order to get the running backs involved. 
With Cousins' skill set, how do you see it as being different from all of the uh, film that you watched on Carson Wentz? Because, I mean, you watched every single third down, and that's what's cool about this book, and then broke them all down, and you've got the numbers on it, too, for how successful each play was. I mean, it's, it's incredibly detailed work. So you had to watch a lot of Carson Wentz, who would have been an MVP candidate before he got hurt. How how might he differ from somebody like Cousins in what D. Filippo will be able to dial up? So in terms of just the play design and the play calls, I think they they're going to be very similar. What propelled Carson Wentz to that MVP level that he was playing at was his ability when the defense had the perfect call on, they covered everything up, or they they dialed up the perfect blitz to get a rusher free. Carson Wentz would make somebody miss, escape from the pocket, either take off for a big gain or set himself up for. Uh, a home run shot down the field, and that's that's what propelled him to that MVP level. In terms of uh, kind of down play call type situation, I would design my offense similarly for, for both quarterbacks. They both see the field well. They both process information quickly. They both make all the throws. So uh, at that point, it would come down to Deep Lippo asking Kirk Cousins, you know, this time of year, probably even during OTAs, you know, what what do you, what do you like for my playbook? What don't you like? Mm-hmm. What what do we make work? So it's um, honestly, it's probably up to the quarterbacks, you know, to kind of communicate that to DeFilippo and, uh, yeah. So quick DeFilippo story that I think you'll like. Um, this was told by Kirk Morrison, who works in the media now, but he used to be a linebacker for the Oakland Raiders. He said that when DeFilippo was coaching Jamarcus Russell, he gave him a, a CD and said, or a DVD and said, I want you to go home and watch this. And these are a bunch of plays that I'm interested in your opinion on. Like what you like, what you don't like, what you think fits your skill. And Jamarcus came back the next day and said, man, I, I'm comfortable with every single one of those. And DeFilippo said, okay, great. The, DV- the DVD was blank. So. No. Man. <laughs> I well, mean, that, that tells you a lot right there. Yeah, it sure does. That's a, I mean, it's a classic, but that's, uh, that's a, that's a good old school move. Now, something that, uh, I'm really interested in how DeFilippo designs play actions for Kirk Cousins, something we've seen around the league that has a lot of success. And you talk about this a bit with the play action roll away uh, part of the book is how he will utilize Cousins ability in play action. For whatever reason, Cousins is toward the top of the league pretty consistently. A lot of other guys bounce around from year to year. But he's been very good, and that could be some Jay Gruden in Washington's offense. But I think it's also maybe part of Kirk Cousins' skill set that he's just better when they run play action. So what should we look for with him and how they can maximize that talent of his? So a lot of that has to do with with uh, Cousins' scheme. Um, you know, being so, you know, spending a lot of time this offseason studying the kind of the Shanahan McVay type of West Coast offense. Mm-hmm. They really thrive on that that play action, those boots, um, getting getting the quarterback on the edge, giving him simple throws, and then uh, kind of that bang post route. I, I know those guys refer to that as, the, as, a, as a drift route, kind of like a 10-yard route that, that slightly bends in then to take advantage of the linebackers vacating um, to defend the run action. So simple things like that definitely contributed uh, to Cousins' success on those plays. But, you know, to his credit, he reads them quickly, and, you know, he has the mobility to get out on that boot game and, you know, hit, hits open receivers in, in that sense. So I would imagine that the uh, Deep Lippo would, would, you know, ask Cousins about that, and I'm sure the, the Vikings will incorporate some some of those aspects to, to kind of cater to his strengths that he's been successful with in other schemes. So, Bobby, something fans have been hearing about 
since really maybe the first game of the playoffs with the Eagles all the time is these RPOs. Now, RPOs have been around a pretty long time, but they're in the conversation a lot with the way the Eagles use them with Nick Foles. I don't think from what I've seen on Kirk Cousins' tape that he ran many RPOs, but Cousins did mention learning some of them in minicamp. What, what, did, what makes you good as a quarterback at running RPOs? Uh, the ability, I mean, it's similar, they're similar in the sense to just normal pass concepts. The quarterback has to identify what the defense is doing if, they, if he has space to throw the route or if he ends up handing it off. I mean, it's similar in the sense of a typical progression concept in the passing game. You know, your first read, you know, it's not open, look to your second read. If that's not open, move to your third. With, with a lot of the RPO stuff, it's all right, as I'm, as I'm at the mesh point with the running back, is my quick slant open? Is my bubble screen open? If not, my second read is just to hand the ball off. So, it's really for the quarterback. It, it's different because you're you're not you know you're not assigned to throw the ball every time, but it's the same decision process is in place. So how do you think that that or what do you think that Nick Foles did that was so successful with them, or was it overstated in your opinion? Um, I mean, he definitely did a great job in the, in the playoff run. Um, he. For as, for as well as he played in the playoffs, uh, the regular season production, and you know, more specifically the third down, just because that's what I paid most attention to for the book, um, the production did drop off quite a bit. Um, I think, uh, I can't remember the figures off head, but I think the Eagles might have dropped like 15 or 20 percent, uh, in their third down conversions when Foles took over, um, as opposed to when Wentz was in place. But, um, I mean, in the playoffs, he did a great job, you know, reading, reading that and, um, uh, you know, make, making, making it happen and when it counted most. So Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen will probably be one of the best pairs in the NFL as they have been the last two years, I, I would guess, for this year. And when I look at Philadelphia and what they did in big spots, it was a lot of Zach Ertz. And sometimes it was the other guys, but, you know, Elshon Jeffrey, we all know, has lit up the Vikings a few times throughout his history, but it seemed like they were looking for the tight end a lot. But now, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen in most big third downs outside of the red zone will be the, the go-to guys. How does their ability to win at all three levels, which I think is very rare, that both guys have proven underneath, intermediate routes, and deep, how, how rare is that and how much does that help and confuse and frustrate defenses in the big situations when you have two guys that can do that? Yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, definitely going to be different for D. Filippo. Um, in, in Philadelphia, they didn't quite have those. I mean, they had guys like Nelson Aguilar who, who are very quick, but those two elite talents, you know, with, as far as route running, getting in and out of breaks quickly, I mean, those are, those are skill sets he didn't have in his, in his last stop. And uh, I'm curious to see how he, how he utilizes those talents for sure. Um, but yeah, there's, yeah, that's definitely something to be excited about as a Vikings fan. So what do you think if someone like Adam Thielen lines up in the slot? What do you think is, sort of the best concept to utilize the slot wide receiver. And, and Thielen last year, he switched from being an outside receiver in 2016 to the inside. And Pat Shermer had a ton of success, especially third downs, big spots. So if you're dialing one up to your looking for that slot receiver, where might you go? The Eagles had a lot of success, even without that elite speed, running the slot fade concept. So what that means is, the, the outside receiver will run a quick hitch route to keep the corner tight, um, you know, if it's man coverage. And then the slot will outside release and essentially run a fade route from the slot. Now, 
because he's running it from the slot, he has more space, which allows him to, to break it off if he needs to, or, you know, continue, continue on his vertical path. Um, that's definitely a concept that the Eagles had success with. Um, and that's something that with, with speed in the slot, I would imagine that they would, that Deep Lippo would continue to use and have success with. Yeah. And I think we saw the Vikings use some of that too with the, the fade routes. And the best part is that it doesn't matter who you line up in which spot that the other team's defense doesn't know, uh, which guy might be, uh, you know, going deep or which guy might be the hitch route or, or how they're going to do it because both, uh, can do each of those things as opposed to one guy just runs deep and the other guy's an underneath or, or something like that. Now, something I'm curious about, Bobby, is the role of the Eagles offensive line. Because when I was sitting there in the press box in the NFC Championship game, I was seeing Nick Foles spend four seconds in the pocket and wait for somebody to get open. I was seeing him with clean throwing lanes. And he did a nice job in terms of his pocket presence, but the Eagles offensive line has a good case for being the best in the NFL. I do not think that the Vikings have that same luxury. How might that impact some of their play calling when you get to these third down spots? Without a, a strong offensive line, a, a coach would be more inclined to, to call the quick, like quicker pass game concepts. Um, specifically, what Deep Lippo used a lot in Philadelphia um, and had success with was uh, what a lot of NFL teams refer to as the dragon concept. It's a, a quick slant by the outside receiver and a quick flat route by the inside receiver. So they, that's typically a good concept against single high coverage. Mm-hmm. So what they do is on the other side of the field, they would pair that with a double slant concept, and that gives the quarterback an option against the two high coverage. So what the quarterback does is that he pre-snap determines which side he's going to go to. He'll catch the snap, and then he'll go to that side, and it's essentially a one-second decision process for him. He, may, he decides who he's going to throw to, and he lets it rip, or he's going to take off or throw it to his check down. So when you have a struggling offensive line, that's you know, as a coach, that's typically what you, you want to go – you know, more towards and not, not quite, you know, push the ball down the field vertically as much. Um, also too, the screen game, the screen game that, that you Flippo used in, in Philadelphia will definitely carry over and help out a struggling offensive line in that sense too. Yeah. I do think that that's one area that the Vikings offensive line is good, uh, because of their center Pat Elfline and their left guard Nick Easton. Both of them are really good in space. They showed it last year and it really helped Case Keenum. Uh, throughout the year to be able to drop it off to Jarek McKinnon and, and get a 15-yard or 20-yard play pretty often. Or uh, there was even a play against Detroit where they threw a screen pass to Stephon Diggs and Nick Easton got all the way out and hit the safety to, to break the play open. So, I mean, you really don't see that uh, very often, a guard as quick and as mobile as Nick Easton. That's one of the reasons that he won the job last year. Uh, so the screen game could be a big part of it. Do you have a favorite screen concept, Bobby? Uh, well, we, we, we kind of touched on it earlier. Just, it, it pops out in my head. Just, it's one of my personal favorites that the Eagles ran, uh, last year is it's, uh, like, like I said, they used it in the red zone. They, they play action to the running back from an under center look. The fullback, kind of in an offset eye, he'll run a flat route. The running back will pretend like he's blocking the defensive end. The offensive line will slide away from the play fake. And the tackle and guard to that side will kind of release up to the, to the next level. The running back will kind of bluff that defensive end and kind of sift inside a little bit. Quarterback will give him a quick flip. And, you know, in that, in that case, they were off to the races. It's a simple play and against top end edge rushers like the, the Broncos had with Von Miller. I mean, Von Miller came straight up field, started running at Carson Wentz and he just flipped it off to, to Clements. So that's 
a good concept, especially against aggressive defensive ends that, you know, they, they lick their chops when they see a running back coming at them and then, you know, they completely forget about the, the screen element. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of creative ways that these NFL coaches get to screen concepts. Um, another one that sticks out in my head too is, um, what Sean McVay does with, you know, faking, faking a jet sweep, faking it, faking a, a handoff to Gurley. He'll have Goff drop back about five steps, set up, take his time. And then Gurley, after he takes the play fake, will end up, you know, kind of sifting off to the left or right on a screen pass. And he's got two offensive line in front of him. So, you know, the possibilities are endless with how you can design a screen. It just has to fit in with your, your overall offense. And that's usually the teams that are most successful with them you know, kind of incorporate them in that sense. It's really amazing to me how the great offensive minds in the NFL find ways to freeze a defense for one beat, you know, not even a second, but just that one bit of hesitation. And uh, I was watching a little bit of Rams just, you know, for whatever reason. And with those uh, fake jet sweeps, I think it was Tavon Austin they would use it pretty routinely last year is that right is he still with the team he's been kind of he was he was relevant. i believe he signed with dallas but that's yes that's who they used a lot uh in that role last okay year. okay that's right so they would yeah but if you could get someone the defensive end to just hesitate for one second then you, you can help yourself even just in pass protection there because he has to worry about the potential to try and get out there and make a play on a guy running a jet sweep and it's it's really clever uh, there was another one where he ran, I think, a fake jet sweep, and then Tavon Austin just kind of gave a little bit of an elbow or shoulder to the defensive end, and that helped open up Todd Gurley on a run play. Um, and speaking of that, and this is a, a big-picture thing for you, in in the state of NFL offenses, because when I look at your book, and I if I were to try to say, you know, uh, Bobby, this is all West Coast, or this is all Air Coriel, or I, I would be nowhere close. And it seems like there's concepts from all of those things that go into every NFL offense now that they are borrowing from all of these kind of NFL theories that have grown throughout the years. And, and Filippo has kind of grown up in that era as opposed to, you know, someone like Pat Shermer who's adjusted from being an old school West Coast guy. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been very well documented. There have been writers, you know, the P a Peter King article comes to mind. I think is kind of his post op on the Super Bowl. Um, you know, the Doug Peterson had his coaches every. I think he had his receivers coach, and I'm I'm not sure who else uh, he mentioned in the article, but they they would have coaches every week scour the NFL for different concepts that they thought were interesting or they worked for a certain reason, and they'd present them to Coach Peterson, and they'd say, Hey, Coach, I think this would work in our system off of. This concept we ran two weeks ago, I think, you know, it could get guys open. And that was actually, uh, I think it was one of the slant routes that Zach Ertz took for a touchdown in the Super Bowl was one that they found, uh, via that process. And that's, yeah, I mean, if you're, you know, if you want to be an elite NFL offense, I mean, you're going to take from other, take from other teams and pick and choose what fits into what you want to do and fits your, your personnel. And it's a little bit of the culmination too of just how much information we have that, you know, they can dial up and watch every single play just right there on the computer from every other team all the time. And they can look up, you know, their analytics departments. I know that the Vikings use their analytics quite a bit. They can look up what everybody else is using on every other play. And so there's a even more borrowing than there even has before in the past, which is kind of steeped in the NFL history is adjustments from offense to defense and then borrowing and, and building on those. And I, and I think, yeah, go, sorry, go yeah. ahead. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, heck, I could do that from my from my living room at home too with NFL Game Pass now. I mean, you can just go on there. You can watch any play from any Sunday, you know, a day or two after. And you know, heck, I could, you know, as a high school coach, I do that. You know, I do that on a weekly basis too. I look there for, you know, I watch college games, I watch NFL games, I look for different things I can take that fit our offense too. So yeah, I mean, as a coach, that's your due diligence to to do research on that end for sure. So Bobby, let me ask you the big question here. Let's say it's Vikings NFC Championship against the Eagles, 2018, or I guess 19. Uh, third down, you're at the 20-yard line. You got everybody healthy, Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph, third down and seven. Game's on the line. What are you dialing up? No, that's that's a, a tricky question. Um, I mean, with you know, I definitely would want to get Thielen and Diggs involved somehow. Um I'd probably call the all curl concept, uh, depending where we're at on the field. Did you say where we're at in the field? Uh, the 20 yard line, the other team's 20 yard line. So you're, you're driving. You're just entering the red zone here. Okay. You so need a without touchdown. That, without a ton of vertical space, I might consider that slot fade concept, but I might go with, uh, the all curl concept that's explained in the Eagles third down manual. So what it does is it'll evenly space four curl routes, uh, horizontally across the field with a running back on a check down route. So what this will do is it'll allow a guy like Kyle Rudolph to post up if he's got a one-on-one matchup and use his size. It'll also use Keelan and Diggs on, it'll use their speed to press, to press the defenders off vertically and then, you know, hopefully the quarterback can hit them, you know, out of their break. Concept like that, identify the one-on-one matchup and that's the guy you're going to throw the ball on time, throw it with good leverage and you got a good shot at picking up a first down. And then with third and seven too, you, you know, in that area, you're not, you're not terribly far off if you have to hit the running back on a check down too so that's you know obviously it depends you know on the coverage that we'd be seeing but that's a, a good all-purpose concept that people have always had success with in the past and personally i think it fits the the vikings personnel very well so bobby your book that i have holding in my right hand the philadelphia eagles 2017 third down manual where is the best place people could pick it up so I have all my books on Amazon. Um, if you search just the Philadelphia Eagles third down manual uh, on Amazon, it should come up. Um, I also wrote a book about Sean McVay's offense, the uh, the Los Angeles Rams third down manual. That's on Amazon as well. Um, if you want the best place to, to, to kind of see what I do is to follow me on Twitter at B underscore Peters 12. I usually try to post a video, like a kind of like a film cut up that, we all put together, you know, showing a different concept, different teams running it, you know, in different situations. And I've got a link on there, my pinned tweet to all the different articles I've written this off season for USA football, um, covering a lot of the Eagles offense, the Rams, 49ers, uh, the Saints. I've got articles on there and some various college programs as well. So, yeah, Twitter's probably the best place to see the different things that I do. And I've got uh, all my information there. Bobby, awesome stuff, and I will include the article that we did together looking at every player and what can maximize their skill in the big situations for the Vikings this year. So make sure you follow Bobby on Twitter. Check out his book if you have a chance or his work in other places. And uh, thanks, Bobby, for joining, and thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast.